right, so this is a special podcast edition of the Dan Show for, well, this was supposed to be a regular show this week, but yesterday it snowed, so didn't get to do the show, but this week is just going to be a special half-hour podcast edition here, and this is kind of a, a bit of a backdoor pilot, in a sense, of what I want to do for a podcast going down the road. So I have a special hi-fi format. Basically, the hi-fi format is all about five topics, and we have 30 minutes. We're going to talk about all those five things, and then at the end, we're going to do some uh, trivia. Today, it's just going to be some movie music trivia where I'll just play some uh, movie music, um, some signature soundtracks from famous films, and then I'll have AJ, who's here with me, guess the answers. Uh, He usually is pretty good at that, so um, I'll try to challenge him a bit. But let's get things going. I'm Daniel. With me is AJ. AJ, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Great to be here again and looking forward to that trivia. See what you have for me. Cool. So uh, let's uh, get the ball rolling. So today on the the high five, the first thing we're going to talk about is Manchester United. So talking about Manchester United, um, there's a lot going on with the club. Um, Obviously, uh, they have um, Zoltan Ibrahimovic leaving. Um, today was the official announcement they made where um, Ibrahimovic is uh, now joining the LA Galaxy. The, the MLS season, I think, is either starting. I think, no, the MLS season already started a few weeks ago, so it's already go- been going for a while. But uh, Zeltan now, I think he's finally healthy and back from his injury, so uh, he's going to be joining them. Um, uh, this was something that, that, you know, we've seen coming for a while now. Um, Today, Manchester United officially announced it, though. I think he would have stuck around if United were still in the Champions League and if they still had a shot at the the Premier League title, but obviously neither of those things are happening this season, so it just makes sense that he now moves on. Uh, you know, he's what? How old is he? Like 34, 35 years old? He's he's up there, you know. he's in his Yeah, he is, he is getting up there, and still the amount he stayed along with the club for after his injury, stayed with the club, signed on. It's a great guy to have. On the training ground, just for maybe a couple guys who are coming up. Marcus Rashford, a great young striker. Great to have him around just to see how a real great all-time striker plays. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a good influence when he was in, in the locker room, in the dressing room. So now it's uh, just for him. I think it's better that he is with LA Galaxy. He's going to get more of a chance to play. Um, you know, um, obviously it helps to elevate the level of football played in the MLS as, you know, when any other big-time European player comes over, and there have been a few in the past who have kind of come and spent their last few seasons here, including, of course, David Beckham, who now, um, well, he was with the LA Galaxy, who now is starting his own franchise in Miami. So, um, aside from that, uh, Andrew Herrera is now ready. Uh, Andrew Herrera is ready to return to United um, after this uh, international break, so he was injured. Uh, uh, I think a month or so ago or a couple of months ago um, and uh, he's finally I think he's healthy he's ready to come back so when they come back from the break I think they're playing Swansea City in the Premier League on the 31st of March um, so um, they'll uh, hopefully have him back there I don't know if Jose Mourinho is going to use him but uh, what, are, what are your thoughts about where United is as a team this year I mean they've done some good stuff but overall, it seems like it's been a down year compared to what they did last year. They had like two or three trophies they got. They had the the Europa League uh, Cup. They um, also got the the League Cup. Um, they didn't win the FA Cup, but they got the Community Shield at the start of the season. They beat uh, Chelsea or whoever they beat. Uh, Chelsea won it this year, I think. They don't, I don't think they beat Chelsea. But anyway, they got Community Shield, they got the Europa League, and they got the League Cup last year. This year... They're not getting the Premier League. They're not getting a European uh, trophy this year either. And uh, the only thing they're in right now is uh, is the FA Cup. So what do you think about the team and where it stands? Well, yeah, it was a disappointing somewhat early exit from the Champions League for United. And they are basically just locked for second. They're not going to move up, probably won't move down. City basically does have that secured. And I'm sure they're not that many points off from locking that first seed victory in the Premier League. Yeah. United does have kind of a down year. Expectations were a little higher, but you can't count out the fact that there were lots of injuries, all-around injuries, and the back line, the attackers, midfielders, seemed like everyone went down at one point for United, but they have managed to secure a good second place in the Premier League. Again, disappointing exit from the Champions League, but 
they are in the semifinals of the FA Cup have a chance at winning that trophy. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, and then, of course, the news came out today that they're, um, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, but they have registered now for a women's team. I know, like, other some of the other big six clubs in the Premier League, like uh, Liverpool and such, they already have that. Um, so, and I actually, I honestly did not know if United, I thought United actually had it already. I, I didn't know that they did not have it. Um, and I, I guess I kind of just assumed that they had a women's team. Um, and there are obviously a lot of other European football clubs who have them. I just, you know, I mentioned like Liverpool has one and some of the other English clubs do too. Um, so what do you think about United now finally getting a women's team? You know, is, is it about time, you know, better late than never? <laughs> I mean, I think it's great. I think it's something that United probably wanted to wait a little bit before they really went into it. They wanted to see how Liverpool, these other big teams, not big as per se now, but these historic teams, they started doing it. So they probably just wanted to wait and see how that turned out. But I think it's great. Women's sports in general does not have as big of a platform as it should. They're not as appreciated as they should be. And I think a big, big club that with a historic pedigree and a great value, probably the most valued sports team in the world, having a women's team will raise a lot of awareness for women's soccer and especially on the national scale yeah. and the I mean, especially scale. in Europe, you know, Europe is where right, soccer yeah. is king and it's, you know, outside of Europe, of course, in the, South America, but um, if there's any part of the world where uh, football, as it is called everywhere else, except the United States, you know, it's football is the biggest sport um, virtually in every part of the world um, and Europe is one of the regions where it's the biggest sport, uh, the biggest game around. So for the women's t- team, you know, to now, they're for the, for United now to have a women's team. That's gonna, I think, have a big influence um, on on the quality of women's football in the professional level. Um, with that said, um, United obviously have had a lot of issues with their with their roster with the the team that they have now. Ever since Jose Mourinho came in, he has worked to improve the team. Um, <clears throat> they bought like Nemanja Matic. They bought. Ibrahimovic for he came in for free. Um, now Ibrahimovic is gone. They bought Mkhitaryan. Now Mkhitaryan's gone, and they got instead of him they got Alexi Sanchez. Obviously the world uh, record signing at the time in in Pogba. Um, so he's uh, he's been struggling this year as well. Um, who else? They got Lukaku. Lukaku's been you know as expected. I think he's only gonna get better as time goes on. Um, but overall, mixed results, you know, the, of all the guys that, they, that he's acquired in the time that he's been at United. Um, it's it's not been like Pep Guardiola, who seems to have done it just right. And he has done more than what, you know, Mourinho's done in terms of bringing new players that weren't there before he came in. Um, and obviously, it's worked out for them because City is going to win the Premier League. They still have a very good shot at winning the Champions League, although they're going to face Liverpool in that elimination round and the in the quarterfinals. So that's going to be a very good match to see the Champions League. But um, you know, and then they they won the League Cup, destroying um, Arsenal and just embarrassing them four and zero. And then uh, I, they got knocked out of the FA Cup by a, a lower uh, league team. So that was that. But they still have a potential. They've basically got two trophies locked up. The Premier League, too, they haven't won it yet, but they will definitely get it. You know, the, the odds are definitely in their favor. And the, the Champions League is something that um, it's they have a very good shot at. So the point I was trying to make is that United, on the other hand, their transfer strategy has not really paid the same dividends that Cities has. And they've spent roughly the same amount of money. I know what, what they... United with what City spent to get Laporte and maybe one more player in the last summer that have spent more money than United, but it's not like United spent chumps change. United spent like two to three hundred million themselves. So where do you think they stand, and what do you think they need to do this summer to get better? I think United just needs to be a little more aggressive in their transfer strategies. You said it yourself. City's basically built that team through the transfer window where they've bought most of their guys. Probably only a two or three left from what they had before Pep came in and had that financial backing. But United did spend Well, they a had decent... the financial backing. It's right. just, I think when Pep came in, their transfer strategy got a whole lot yeah. better. Pep did just take that very aggressive approach, and it's paying off 
Mourinho has been aggressive in some aspects, spending more money on fewer guys. I think Mourinho does have a lot of faith in the guys he spent a, lot, a large amount of money on, and he was a little hesitant to sell or even buy in some positions, like the center back position, yeah. or even just the backs. The, de- the defense is probably what needs the most work in this transfer window. I think that and maybe getting another striker or winger that will feed Lukaku mm-hmm. the ball in the box. Because Lukaku is someone who can hold the ball in the box and he can mm-hmm. score in the box, but he's not someone who's going to set up other people as frequently as, let's say, a Martial or a S- Alexis Sanchez. So I think they do need to focus on getting better backs, maybe a little better in the center back position. Goalie is obviously locked. That's not something mm-hmm. they have to worry about. But that and just another great winger, another great striker that can help them out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, there's, there's, I think they can use upgrades throughout the, uh, you know, the team from the defensive line to the midfield to even the attacking lineup because the attacking lineup, I think, for the most part is set. Their midfield is really where they're lacking. They're lacking, um, and then um, the defense. So while they might want to go out there and get some uh, another winger who's actually a you know a traditional winger because right now if you look at it um i mean they have some traditional wingers but at the same time they have some guys who really are more strikers who slot in as wing players because the fact that they the, the formation that they play because they like to play in like a three four three uh sorry they play i'm just i'm just trying to do the math in my head here i think they do like a three three four or or one four one two whatever the thing is but basically they slot Lukaku up front as the sole striker and in most cases they put although they have done two striker lineups in very some very select few occasions this season and for the general um in general they put Lukaku up front they put Martial um one of Mar- two of Martial Sanchez uh Rashford and Lingard one of the two of those four players are the wing play positions, and then they slot in either Mata or if Sanchez is not playing in the wing, they put him behind uh, uh, pa, uh, Lukaku up front. So that's your attacking midfielder. But I mean, Sanchez is not really an attacking midfielder; he's more of a winger. And then they haven't been playing him in the winger position. So that's another one of those things where I'm just like, I don't know if it's because he thinks that Sanchez is going to be good at, at you know as an attacking midfielder because obviously the results have shown that he's not and he's not a good fit at that position or i don't know if it's, he puts him there because he feels like they're the way their team is designed and the system that they play in that Sanchez would just not be suited for a wing position which is his natural position so for me um they can definitely reorganize their attack they have to re-sign Martial cuz Martial is a player that i think they're definitely should hold on to his contract is running out, and they're um, negotiating. His agents is negotiating with other teams. I think Barcelona was in the news. Some some outlet said that they might be talking to him, um, but definitely, I think they can't afford to let him go. He's one of those guys who's not a traditional winger because he wanted to remember be the number nine for United before Mourinho came in, and then they Mourinho comes in and brings in basically every striker. Rashford comes out of nowhere, and now. You know, Martial is the last guy you think of as the number nine at United, which is kind of annoying to him probably because he plays like a wing. He doesn't play like a winger all the time. He plays more like a striker, and so he's not a guy who's gonna cross the ball into you. He's a guy. He's a guy who's gonna get the ball, uh, he dribble it into the the penalty box and then pass it to the striker. Um, and then Rashford is kind of the same way. But what they don't have is like a Gareth Bale. And they do have Sanchez, but they don't play him where they need to play him, you know, a, a traditional winger who can do what they want him to do. And even Sanchez, to some degree, is a guy who's just going to dribble the ball in and then score. They don't have a guy. They had Mkhitaryan, who was that kind of player, who would be there to set you up as a striker. So he would pass the ball and cross the ball into the box. But now they don't have him. Antonio Valencia generally slots in as that guy, as a fullback. Um... But what they can definitely use, I feel, is um, they need to bring in um, midfielders who can then allow these um, attacking players to either play in their natural positions um, or they need to just reorganize their attacking line. Um, And in the midfield, um, I think that's probably the biggest. Well, no, that's the second biggest area of improvement because I feel like they need either one more great holding midfield player so they can move Pogba up to the attacking midfield role because that's where he would be best. Or even if they don't move Pogba up, then you know, then let, it will give him the freedom to move up and attack with the team on offense. So 
that the other players can hold hold on uh, the court, hold on the field on defense. Uh, they already have Matic. Herrera tends to do a good job, but he's been injury prone recently, and uh, he's not necessarily the guy that they want there. I think Fabinho is somebody they were interested in. Um, Bakayoko already went to Chelsea, so they can't. They're you know not really going to go for him. Um, are there any other players you can think of who they might want in the central defense, or defensive mid role alongside Matic, so that it can move Pogba up? I mean, you would. I just think that. Yeah. Marino has to deal with a lot of cluster in his midfield. He has a lot of guys that are good, not great. He has a lot of guys that. Yeah, clean you, the house. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just. Yeah. I think that's what he's trying clean to overcompensate house. for because he just does have a lot of those great players who are yeah. already in the lineup, but then they can't function the way they need to because of that good not great midfield that he has i think he just needs to clear house a little bit just let his position players play in their positions reorganize a little bit a few key signings and i think they're there i think maybe like another world-class player maybe in the midfield maybe like an angolo Conte who can really play aggressive play the pace they want him to play i don't think they're gonna get him out of chelsea though i don't think i'm just Another just an example to yeah. give I think someone Fabinho, like that. Yeah, Fabinho, a Fabinho would, type something like yeah, that. He would be that realistic. They could come in, Maybe Fred, hold down the midfield. Fred from Shakhtar. Maybe he's been in the news. Just, he wants to leave. Just someone yeah. who's not good but great that can come yeah. in, make an impact, and just let their position players yeah. play what they want to play. Because I think Fred is that kind of a player, like Pogba. He's not necessarily just defensive or offensive oriented. He's good at a lot of things. You know, he he's like Pogba in that way. Um, and he wants to leave. He's going to come to one of the United clubs, so he might as well, you know, come to United. So, now, there's this list was released recently by, I think, one of the British outlets and uh, the Mirror, I think, in the UK. They said there are six players that are most likely to leave. And none of them are really surprises to me because they've all at some point been linked to, you know, other clubs. And then there's, you know, been news about them leaving. But they always get, like, re-signed and stuff. And some of them have got extensions recently, but I don't think they're going to be sticking around this summer so just i'm just gonna go through the list and you let me know which of those players you think are realistically gonna go and which of those things won't fit which of those players won't fit once they get um better options or you know there's some positions on the field where united really needs to upgrade so number one is luke shaw he plays fullback role either left back or right back um yuan mata we talked about him he's a, he could be a center midfielder center attacking midfielder um then they have daily blind um, he's the, the Dutch fullback. He hasn't played in any game, I think, in a long time. Um, and then they have Andres Pereira, who's been on, on loan um, to Valencia um, in Spain, and it looks like he's likely going to want to move there permanently because he's got a featured role there where he's in United. There's just too many other attacking players for him to get in front of. Marwan Flaney, he's looking to leave for free. Um, so basically his contract is running out, and then he doesn't really want to renew it because he feels like he's... Um, been unfairly criticized and just bagged on at United, and some of the criticism I feel is valid. But you know, it's Mourinho. Even if he wants to keep him, he's intent on leaving. It is just the role that Mourinho has allowed him to have. That's yeah. a little bigger than most people would would give Fellaini. Yeah. So I think some of that criticism is valid, but and it is it's just also filling a role yeah. that he's not able to fill. Right. It's also when he steps on the field to play that role. A lot of times he ends up embarrassing himself and the team. You know, like that Champions League game where they lost, I felt like they should not have started Fellaini. That was so maddening because I'm like, I know this guy is not good for that kind of role. You want to bring him in later into the game. Then Herrera is also a player that is likely going to leave um, because if they bring in another midfielder or two, then he doesn't have any room to operate or get any game minutes. Um, so any of those guys really surprise you? Not not many surprises. I would I was a little surprised that they want to get they might get rid of both Luke Shaw and Daily Blind. Luke Shaw is a good young player who's still developing, who could have an impact off the bench. If it is that he wants to leave because he doesn't have a big enough role, then that's a different story. But I do think that that is a big position United needs to upgrade in their fullback position yeah. needs to upgrade. They yeah. play aggressive style of English football, but. They do play a similar style to what these other elite clubs play, such as Barcelona or Bayern, where they do push the ball up with their fullbacks. And you look, and they have great, great fullbacks, with like Jordi Alba, David Alaba, these type of players that are just one step or two steps above 
a yeah. daily blend or um, something yeah. like that. I mean, they've had reports of going after Alexandro and more recently going after Hector Bellerin, who's out of contract this summer and he's looking to leave Arsenal. So they might go after him and get him. Because United have been, as of late, unlike City, who have been willing to just spend and spend and spend, United have been looking for those good deals where they don't necessarily have to spend unless they have to spend. So, you know, they've been a little stingy, which I feel like they shouldn't have to. Like, they, they, they need to kind of open up a little bit more because they can. Like, they can afford to do it, and why not do it? Because to get it right, you're only delaying the inevitable, I feel like, because eventually the results are going to drive you in that direction anyway, and that's what is happening this season. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much more we can talk about, but in general, you know, the consensus is about United that right now this season they underperformed a little bit, underachieved a little bit. Um, they might still end up with the trophy if they win the FA Cup. They're still in there. Um but ultimately, in the summer, there's going to be a lot of changes. There's already been changes this season. Ibrahimovic leaving, um, you know, players just going in and out of the rotation, going out on loan and whatnot. But in the summer and going forward, you're going to probably see a very different United team next year. Um, so we spent a lot of time on this topic, a lot more time than I wanted to. So obviously, we're going to go over the, the initial 30 minutes. But that's why we're testing out this high five format here so that we can get it right and you know nuance it a little bit and massage it until it's exactly 30 minutes for the podcast that we're going to be doing in the future so uh number two on the list is the nba power rankings and then again just to 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 talk about the power rankings that i'd like to do a little different than your average power rankings so it's all about who can beat the warriors which basically means that the warriors are above the rankings and then there's five teams that i talk about who i think have the best shot in, in numerical order of beating the Warriors in the playoffs and ultimately winning that new championship. So even if they don't have to beat the Warriors. Um, so number one, uh, actually not number one, I always make, the, make this mistake. The number five, you're supposed to do power rankings, uh, you know, going up and not going down. So uh, I would put the Cavaliers at number five. They're still in my number five. Um, actually, they, they dropped out of my top five, but they've kind of gone back into it because the Spurs dropped out. So, uh, as you know, I felt like there was no other team well, there's another team that I brought in this week that I hadn't didn't have there before, I, I don't think. But actually, I did have them there before. Anyway, th- the point is, this is basically me swapping the Spurs out for the Cavaliers from last week. What do you think about the Cavaliers? What are the shot? Do they have a shot? I mean, because to me, they're still not good enough defensively. And despite the fact that they just beat the Raptors after being down by 15 points at halftime, I don't know if they can do it for in a seven-game series. I mean, and... Um, they're going to have to play more games to get to the finals this year than what LeBron's used to, and then now he's older than ever before. So what do you think? Is it possible that they still make another finals run? I think a number five is a good position because I don't think they will necessarily even make it to the finals, nonetheless compete in the finals. Yeah. But I do think that with the return of Kevin Love, they do have an additional piece that LeBron can work with. LeBron, before Kevin Love's return, was even putting up triple-doubles left and right, getting outrageous numbers of assists for a center power I've been a small forward power forward position player but now with Kevin Love back you saw it in the Toronto game he was hitting a lot of key threes LeBron was finding him open that's another player that's that all-star caliber player that LeBron can work with that the team can be structured around and I think now with the return of Kevin Love some of those young guys that were coming off the bench getting extra minutes now they will fall back into more of a role and a role player position where they can be more beneficial where they aren't expected to do much they will be given some opportunity, but they don't have that that load to bear as much yeah. as a Love or LeBron will have to in the starting lineup. They yeah. are, I think, missing Kyrie Irving very much because they did need that 1-2-3 punch to compete with any team in the league. But they have a 1-2. They have to do the best they can with it, but number five is a good spot because I don't see them going much past the conference finals. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that the, not having a big three affects them as much because LeBron James can practically make one other player a big three on a given, any given night. That player just has to show up and make his shots, you know, basically. And that could be J.R. Smith. It could be George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, whoever. Um, Larry Nash Jr. is coming back this weekend, hopefully from an injury. Um, I want him to because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, uh, different leagues, obviously. Yeah. But, um... Uh, yeah, so the, he should help out on defense as well. I just, you know, so there's no not a lot of other teams who have a big three in the East, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And with that, so it, it wouldn't really hurt them to not have a big three either. Um, it's not even just a big three. Yeah. It's just the fact that outside of LeBron and Kevin Love, they don't have any consistent shooters, consistent contributors. Yeah. They have to kind of every night rely on a different guy, see with the hot hand. Yeah. They don't have another guy who can come in and help out, give them a consistent 15, 20 points, give them a consistent bit of help on defense. Yeah. 
It's just I mean I they're streaky players. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kyle Corver won't always hit his shots. Jared Smith is streaky at best. Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, these guys are just too young, too inexperienced to make a deep run in the playoffs as they want to, but if they can put it together, they can go probably to the conference yeah. finals at best, but I don't see them even making it out of the East. Yeah, I mean, those three of those four players that got at the trade deadline have never been in the playoffs, so that's going to be a new experience for them. And then, of course, as far as the Cavaliers go in general, uh, I think fatigue is going to catch up to them this time because, they're gonna, like I said, they're going to have to play more games each round to get past their opponents than LeBron is used to playing, and at this age and with the team that he has around him, I just don't think it's going to be enough. And even if they somehow do get to the finals, I feel like there would be better teams from the East who would put up more of a challenge against the uh, like a Warriors or a Rockets team than the Cavaliers. Because in the past, we have been all about Cavaliers versus Warriors in the finals because it was an entertaining matchup. I just don't, I just don't think this year it would be that entertaining. I, you know, Even last year, when it was like a five-game series, it was still entertaining because there were a couple of really close games and the, it looked like the Cavaliers... Could have won at least two games. They only ended up winning one, but it was an entertaining series nonetheless. And there was a lot of storylines too. So this year, I just don't see it being that. I feel like they're going to get sweeped out of the finals, even if they're going, whether it's the Warriors or the Rockets. They might get one game. LeBron is good enough to get you one game at least. But uh, yeah, so anyway, the Cavaliers still have an outside chance. Number four, I'm putting the, the, the Portland Trailblazers. And I think I had them at the same spot last week. Uh, what do you think about the Trailblazers and how they're doing? The Trailblazers have been just playing a great brand of basketball. They've been moving the ball very well. They've been hitting their shots. They're not too reliant on their two-star players and Damon Lillard and Sage McCollum, but those guys are carrying a big amount of the load, and it, it is kind of surprising McCollum's maturity and his willingness and readiness to carry that load because even one, two years ago, one, two, one or two seasons ago, you didn't expect him to be that guy who would be able to be a good uh, second punch in a team that is winning consistently had a great win streak and is what third in the west the blazers yeah, yeah. third in the west they're just kind of locked in there just because that basically streak, locked yeah. at third yeah. in a year where the rockets and warriors are running away with those one and two seeds but yeah um all credit to both those guys yeah. and to the rest of the team for knowing their roles working in there and shooters who are shooting consistently and providing some help Something that, like we said, the Cavaliers are struggling with. Yeah, I mean they have true quality depth for the depth for the first time on depth on his on their roster that they didn't have before, um, and that's I think been the biggest biggest improvement on that team, um, and they really created good separation between them and the rest of the the teams that are now fighting between number four and um, down to all the way to number ten even. You know, there's teams who are only separated by two, two and a half games. You can be in the playoffs or completely out of the playoffs. You could be, you know, at fourth seed and have the home court advantage in the first round or not make the playoffs at all. That's how close of a margin it is. Like two and a half games, I think it is two and a half, three games. So, um, yeah, the Blazers, I think they deserve to be in number four right now. They've pushed their way up into the conversation as being a team who's probably going to get out of the first round and give either the Rockets or the Warriors a pretty good series in the second round. Um and I didn't have them in the top five last week. I, I had the, the Thunder, and obviously the, the Thunder are not... Well, spoiler alert, the Thunder are not in the top five this week. Uh, number three, I have the Celtics. Um, and they're there because I still feel like they're going to be healthy enough by the time the playoffs get the, they get to the playoffs, and they're locked into the second seed in the East, so they'll get the home court advantage. The only thing I'm worried about is will they have to face the Cavaliers in the second round. Um, I think they will probably end up avoiding them because if... Um, and I'm hoping at least because it's very tight there between number three all the way down to number six, I think number three, no, number three to five, number three, four or five. There's three teams who can flip flop until the end of the season between them, Pacers and the Wizards. And I feel like the Wizards are probably going to be in a good position when John Wall comes back. They can just go on a run and, and then Wall can, can get them um, and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, you know, all the other guys they have there. Um, they're playing really well, um, and I feel like they can overtake the Cavaliers and get the home credit advantage in the first round. Um, because right now they're sitting, I think, below the Pacers and the the and and the um, the Cavaliers. But with that said, the the Celtics um, for me are a team that, despite all the injuries they've had this year, despite the ups and downs, the the win streak, the losing. The, the losing, you know, three games, winning two games, losing a game, winning a game. You know, they were like up and down, up and down. And with the injuries that they have now until the end of the season, Kyrie not, not playing, Jill and Brown being out with the concussion, he might be back in their next game. 
Al Horford missing games um, and not having Marcus Smart with that, you know, torn ligament in his hand until the end of the season when, when I don't even think they're going to get him until the second round of the playoffs. So um, it's going to be tough for sure, but I feel like they still have a chance. Like, what kind of odds do you give the Celtics? How far do they go this year? I think the Celtics, if they can get healthy with a good two or three games left in the season even, if they can get some some of their starting lineup back, Right now, they're basically playing their B team. B team and I think they're playing their C team. <laughs> We're playing a, very well could our, be. Yeah, our third string point guard, Terry Rozier, is starting, uh, you know, instead of Kyrie Irving or Marcus Smart. So. Yeah, but what they've been able to do with that bench just shows how great their depth is and shows how great their bench is. And that is something that will be key in the playoffs. I do think that the Celtics can get a lot of these key guys back, not having Gordon Hayward since... Well, the, the start of the season, the season yeah, yeah. they've been doing great, and they've shown that it's just next man up, and just who can make the shots when it counts. And Marcus Morris has been playing great in the absence of the all the All Stars that Celtics have missing, and all the key players they have missing. But if they get their starting lineup back within the first round of playoffs, I don't even think they have to worry about seeding right now. They just have to worry about getting healthy. Because yeah. if they have a healthy starting lineup and that great bench that's playing really great right now, winning against the Thunder on that last second shot. I think they have yeah, a chance Marcus to go Morris. deep in the conference finals. Not maybe, nec- not necessarily winning the conference finals, even though they do have a great chance, yeah. but pushing that to a 6-7 game. I mean, just think about it. They get to the conference finals. Gordon Hayward decides to come back. Maybe not in a featured role, but maybe giving them 10-15 minutes a night. Although I highly doubt it. They'll bring him back during the playoffs and you know put him in that situation. But even if they have just the rest of their roster fully healthy by then, I think they would have a real good shot in making the finals and... You know, make winning a championship ten years after they won their last, winning banner number eighteen in two thousand eighteen. So um, I think they'll have a shot. Uh, I definitely think they have a shot, and it's just a credit to Brad Stevens. You know, with how well this team has been performing, even with the injuries, because he makes he makes sure everybody knows their role, everybody plays their role, and everybody feels like they belong, so that when their time comes and when they're called upon that they go out there and they perform well. And then this is great experience for the young guys, especially Jason, Jason Tatum, as being the go-to scorer for them. And, he, you know, and some nights Marcus Morris is going to get that last shot. Some nights Jason Tatum's going to get it. They've missed it, missed some shots to win games. They've made some. But the rest of the way, I think they're going to have some good experience built up to have a deep playoff run and have a solid 10-man rotation where you have guys topped from number one to number 10 who all are ready to go out there and give you their best. Um, so, yeah, the Celtics, number three. Number two, for me, are the Raptors. The Toronto Raptors, obviously, number one seed in the East. I think they got that locked in. They're going to win the East uh, in the regular season. Um, but are they going to win the Eastern Conference going to the NBA Finals? That is the story with the Raptors because they have been playing great in the regular season. They have guys who are contributing in all aspects. DeMar DeRozan is having a great year. Kyle Lowry is having some injury problems, but... He should be good to go for the playoffs, but I do feel like they don't have that edge. They don't have that driving force or that key player with that instinct. Like, even the Thunder have Russell Westbrook, who can just take over a game, make those last-second shots if needed, and just dominate in every category on the stat sheet. Yeah. LeBron on the Cavs, Kyrie on the Celtics. Well, I don't think they have DeMar, I don't think DeMar DeRozan's well, there I yet. Mean, I was going to say, to be fair, DeMar DeRozan has been that guy for them this year, and then even Kyle Lowry has done it in but recent But I don't, I don't think DeMar DeRozan has necessarily, not that, not that he doesn't have that instinct, but I don't think he has that experience where he, like everything is coming down to it, and... He has to take that well, shot. Yeah, that's he has because, to take over in the last two minutes right. of the game in game six of the conference finals. Yeah, well, that's because they have choked in the playoffs. That's because they've been there. That's, and that's, then their track record is not helping them because yeah. they have shown in the playoffs that they can't keep up that regular season mentality or winning streak that they've, that they've compiled yeah, so yeah. far. I think that their schedule has helped just a little bit, but the game that they've won, they haven't really faced much adversity versus teams like the Wizards, Celtics, Cavs, who have had consistent injuries, who are not necessarily the first seed on the lock to go all the way to the finals, right. have that little edge where they have a chip on their shoulder where we've had injuries, we're still second, we're still third, we're still fourth, wherever we are in the East, and we can come and we can put on a show and win. I don't think the Raptors necessarily have that. Even the Bucks, who are what's sitting at 7th or 8th right now, who if they ended up facing the Raptors in the first round, have that eagerness and have that 
drive to want to do make some noise that could take them to a six seven game series well, yeah. which in the long run will not help them at all well yeah i mean i don't expect the raptors to sweep their way into the finals but um i will give them credit more credit than you know than perhaps you're giving them and where credit is due because they are a deeper team than they have been in the past they've changed their style of play and um, they have gotten some good wins against good teams during their stretch or since the all-star break um, but again, the question always comes down to them, you know, whether whether the the big players on that team are going to show up playoff time. And this year, they're saying they're going to do it. They're going to do it. But it might if it turns out to be like last year, where they got embarrassed by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round. I don't know. So we'll find out. But I mean, the Raptors definitely have been one of those fortunate teams who haven't had to deal with a lot of significant injuries. They've all had injuries. Every team in the NBA has nagging injuries, players missing games. But in general, they haven't had those kind of season-ending or long-term injuries where they've been missing significant players for long periods of time. Um, And by long periods, I'm talking weeks and months, like some of the other top contenders have had, even the Warriors right now. You know, I think the last game they played, all four of their all-stars weren't playing and even this weekend maybe all four of the all-stars won't be out there um so the rockets for me are the number one team they're one of the other teams aside i think them and the raptors are the only two contenders true contenders who have had really good luck with injuries just not having anybody sit out for long periods of time i mean chris paul sat out for a significant period of time earlier in the season but at that time it didn't matter as much and when he did sit out they were still winning so Obviously, it's justified to put them up at number one. They have the best record in the league, the best record in the West. Um, do How far do you see them going? Do you, see, do you feel like this team is the team that's going to beat the Warriors in the conference finals, or is this team only going to get there and then lose to the Warriors? I'd say that this team has the potential to make it to the finals, beat the Warriors, and beat them in maybe even a five, six game series. If you if your power rankings were more traditional where you had the Warriors, I would still put the Rockets at first. Because I don't think the Warriors I think in previous years they've had a good flow. They've had seasons where injuries weren't as much of a problem where they've it, they've been able to play with all their all their all stars, yeah. all their role players, all their key players for a good stretch and establish a rhythm heading into the playoffs. And they've had stories, media coverage, just giving them all the momentum in the world heading into the playoffs, first, second, third, conference finals, finals, all the rounds. They've had great momentum, great players, great consistency. But this year with these injuries and just the way the Rockets team is playing, they have James Harden, favorite for MVP. I think he's going to get it. I think I think it's without a shadow of doubt. I think he's, he's already get it. got it. LeBron's putting yeah. up a good effort, but just where his team is, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think I it's think too late in the it. season. If there's one guy who's been as consistently as good in the and league, as valuable, yeah, don't forget to that his being team, MVP. Right, to his team. I mean, I think James Harden's already got that wrapped up. So And having yeah. Chris Paul, having Clint Capella, right. who's really grown as a player, having key guys like Eric Gordon, Trevor Reza, who, who contribute on both sides yeah. of the ball well, in many aspects and who can consistently score. Well, what, yeah. Well, I mean, what I was going to say is if there's a formula to beat the Warriors... It's, they have it. you get, right and you know basically the formula is you gotta match their uh four all-stars offensively that means great scoring ability great passing ability you gotta match them defensively they all of their players play really good defense they're a great system defensive team they play great one-on-one defense they have great defensive players um and then you need to have a couple of guys who can take over the game um to be able to do that and you know when you look at those three things the, the rockets if there's any team in the league that you can say that has all three of those things in abundance and has enough to get the, take on the Warriors and beat them in a seven-game series, I think the Rockets have it. So just from, the way the yeah. ball's moving, the way they're shooting, just yeah. the way they're playing consistently, playing, blowing out teams that they should have close games with, I think they have all the momentum in the world. I've barely heard anything out of Golden State in the past even months, but the Rockets are basically in the headlines every day with something new they did, something great they're doing, how their shooting is the best in however many years, how their offense is just outstanding. And I think going against the Warriors, I think they have the shooting, they have the bench. I think what what might concern me is who is going to guard Kevin Durant or Draymond Green. Because they have Clint Capella and Trevor Ariza. Yeah, well, but I don't think Trevor Ariza I mean, can guard Tucker, either of those guys. They have PJ Tucker, Luke, and Mute. I mean, they have the depth. They I, have the I, depth, I, but I, think, I don't... Yeah. But the thing with if, the Warriors is I, ball movement and just player movement can catch them off on the perimeter. 
but they have Kevin Durant, who's shown he's an elite defender, and they have, what, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Draymond Green, who are protecting that paint, and Zaza Pachulia, who, whatever you want to say, he's a decent player in the paint who can defend. Yeah. How are they going to catch him off guard? They have James Harden, who can draw contact on anyone, but I don't think they have much outside of James Harden who can really compete with those guys driving the ball into the paint and getting it over them. Okay, well, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I'm just going to bottom line this thing to end end on the segment here is that I think they've got a lot of what you need to beat the Warriors. You know, I think the Warriors are a better team um, in transition than them, but the Rockets overall, I think, cover some of the other areas very well, like the three-point shooting, getting better on defense, and having, I think, more quality depth from number one to number 10 on the roster than what the Warriors have because the Warriors kind of drop off after like six or seven on their roster. So I feel like the Rockets might actually be the team to get the job done. And, you know, we didn't think this was going to happen as soon as it might happen, but it might. So I guess the results we won't get until we see that the matchup happen, if it happens at all. So the honorable mentions I put down, I put down five teams there, and we're just going to quickly just run through them here. The Sixers, because I feel like they're a dangerous team. They're a great young up-and-coming team that I feel like will potentially have a shot at upsetting an opponent in the first round, if not scaring them and making them play a six- or seven-game series. Whoever they match up against, I don't think I want the Boston Celtics to play against them because I want the Celtics to have an easy path to the second round. But whoever they go up against in the first round, they're going to probably you know, be a tough matchup. The Wizards, they most likely, given where they are in the standings, are going to end up um, going up against either the Pacers or the Cavaliers in the first round. I feel like that's a good matchup for the Wizards if they face the, the Pacers because if you shut down Oladipo, you've got that team cornered um, for the against you know the Pacers. That's really why I don't think the Pacers have a legit chance even though they're so high up. The Wizards, if they face the Cavaliers, I think they would pose a challenge and even the Raptors in the second round, I think the Wizards have a chance to upset them. So on out west, I think the Thunder... And the Spurs, the Thunder, simply because they have the big three, and I feel like once you get to the playoffs and it's winning time, if, if, why not? I mean, once it's winning time in the playoffs, I feel like they have the players that can get the job done, even though in the regular season they're inconsistent. The Spurs, because they're the Spurs, and who knows if Kawhi Leonard is back or not, but they're on a winning run right now. They've got a few good wins. I think they're on a five-game win streak, and I, they might actually, you know, they might stick around in the standings long enough to actually make the playoffs after being in and out of the playoff playoff uh, top eight in the last few weeks but i feel like they're going to be there they might even end up back in my top five next week the heat out east i feel like are probably the one team that you don't want to face as a top two seed in the eastern conference and that's why i'm hoping the heat and fingers crossed i'm hoping the heat stay at the eighth seed and they don't go to the number seven because i want the raptors to take them on not us because they're a tough hard-working team so um yeah that's basically does the trick for the NBA power rankings. Um, now moving on to uh, the TV shows. The next topic um, that I want to do just uh, the favorite TV shows. Just quickly list off your top five TV shows. That you know, and th- they could be any any genre. Any mm, could be drama. Could be limited series. Could it, could be episodic television. Could be a sitcom. Um, it, it could be a reality TV show. Um, it could have aired in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 50s, 60s. It could have still be up there right now. Um, just give me your top five quickly. What do you? What shows um, are your favorite? Top five favorite. All time. All, sure. Why not? Um, I would say some older TV shows from like uh, the USA Network, like Burn Notice, Psych. Definitely, definitely great shows great multifaceted shows that have great aspects to them mm-hmm. um a little some more current shows a little more of the sci-fi element maybe like the flash um i used to like arrow but i wouldn't put it at my top five but um that's three right there another one if we take it back a little bit to the early 2000s when i was a little younger maybe like some cartoons like spongebob just because it's always a, it's a favorite of mine just from my childhood to now I mean, you can't, uh, you understand it a little better now than you did then, but it's just a good old show that you can always go back to. And uh, number five, ugh, number five, that's a tough one. Um, I would say a Netflix show, if I can count that. Um, it's not technically TV, but Netflix, Daredevil. Oh, you watch it on TV. <laughs> Daredevil okay, is sure. actually from Marvel 
their I think their first Marvel Netflix show that they had. Daredevil's yeah, it started the incredible. whole Netflix revolution that they have. Um, for me, uh, my top five. Um, this is something I had to really work on because I've got like seven years more experience watching TV than you. So um, it's... and you put me on the spot right here. So <laughs> you have some time right. to think about this. Yeah, I've had some. But you know, it's one of those things that you keep thinking about, and you might come up, you know, in like your thought process in your daily life. So. Um, for me, my number, um, and it's kind of hard to do it five to one, but I'm going to, so I'm going to go number one to five because it's easier for me to go top to bottom. But number one for me, my top, fa- my favorite show of all time is, uh, Stargate SG-1. Um, and I, and actually, to be honest, I feel like my top five is so complicated. I could probably have like 10 or 15 shows in there, but since it's a top five and I put Stargate SG-1 up top, it's one of those shows that, you know, when I, I, you know, I watch every time it comes on, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. There's like a comfort zone that you're in, you know, when it comes on. Um, For me, uh, the second uh, favorite show of all time, I would say is uh, WWE SmackDown. I've been watching it for like 20 years and, you know, it's one of those things where, you're just comfortable watching it. It's you, there's some things that you just connect to and you relate to, and as far as TV shows go, it's just I'm in the zone, and it just makes me feel calm. Like whenever I'm tense, you know, um, really um, stressed out, I'm like, there's only a few select shows that I like to watch, which just like okay, now I'm in the zone and I'm feeling better and I'm feeling calm. Um, so yeah, number one SG one, number two SmackDown, number three I would put. Um, Let's see, number three, I would put... Oh, this is complicated now. I know you put me on the spot. Okay. I know I put you on the spot, but I had some time to think about this. Number three, I would say, would be Burn Notice. I love that show. That show was amazing. Um, it's still, I, I should have been still on the air, but it's cable television, so it eventually, you know. Um, I mean... Okay, it's tied with Psych. Okay, well, you know, but like those USA Network had it going back then. You know, ten years ago, USA Network was the bomb. So, um, anyway, um, num- that's number three would be uh, Burn Notice. Uh, n- number four um, for me would be <sighs> this is hard now. This is really getting hard. Okay, I would say The Expanse. And I might change my mind about this a, a lot, but for me, The Expanse, because I feel like it's the best overall put-together sci-fi show I've seen in a long time, and it's still out there, so I just, you know, it's a great show. Um, the ex- the what? I don't, know, I don't know what that means. What are you doing? X... The X Files. The X Files. See, I you know I totally blanked out on it. Okay, that's my number five. I actually should know. I'm gonna flip. X Files is number four. The Expanse is number five. So yeah, the X Files. I mean, I I remember watching episodes of the X Files from the late '90s and just scaring the heck out of me. And now just just you know, there's some creepy episodes. There was one episode where there was like little snails getting underneath people's skin, and they were out like in the Antarctic and like. And there was one where they had a they were going after UFOs. They legit like ended up on an airfield, and he saw a huge air, air space uh, a UFO, which was government commissioned. And then then they like did something to wipe out Mulder's memory. And then Scully rescued him from like the fence at the airport, and they had some like oh, hippies. Anyway, I have good memories. And the newest season of the X Files is I feel like one of the best put together seasons. They're just like in the groove. So yeah, that's my top five. <laughs> I feel like my honorable mention will probably be uh, a, a few of the Power Rangers shows. Definitely Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes. Yeah, a few. I've got like three or four. I was a big Power Rangers fan back in the day. I will still go back and watch those shows all over again, you know, Netflix and whatnot. Um, Psych. Definitely Psych. Oh, yes. Psych. Come on, son. Um, anyway. <laughs> so that those are the sh- those are the shows. I mean, it's it's a top five list we can do every week and come up with five different TV shows every time. I'm proud of you. Okay. Um, so uh, number four on our high five uh, format is uh, WrestleMania coming up, the biggest show uh, of the the season for WWE. Uh, what do you what do you think about WrestleMania? The storylines going into it. Uh, what's what's gonna be happening? Um, I think. I think WB in recent years has kind of stepped away from fan service where they would probably 
do that a little more. They've shifted to a new, not new, but a different form of storytelling and storyline booking. Where in the past it used to be where WrestleMania was a big culmination of like these six month long feuds where you would have like this big back and forth between the heel and the and the face, and then at the end it would culminate at WrestleMania where the bad guy would get his comeuppets and you know like the fans would be all happy and there would be great backing. But now it's more of just um backing the guy they want to get to the top and hopefully the fans follow along if not they're still gonna do it and that's something that i don't necessarily like much but i do feel like they have some great wrestlers some great storylines heading in that ronda rousey the whole storylines should be great and i don't know why but i was envisioned her as being more of a heel but they went the face route and i don't mind it entirely and that brock lesnar roman reigns match should no matter the outcome, I think it'll be a great match. Undertaker, John Cena, that they're hyping up, will most likely be... That's a good dream match. I mean, there are some dream, dream match. matches this Obviously, year, they would, it would be a better match if it was five, ten years ago. But, I mean, better late than never. They never really got that Sting-Undertaker match, so this is basically the next best thing that you can have in this time period. And, yeah, I think they'll have, outside of the big headliners, they'll have great wrestling matches. And the storytelling could be better, could be a little more longer planned like planned out a little longer maybe starting back in january as they used to versus starting it for some storylines as recently as two three weeks ago but i think it should be a great show a great production we're very well put together as always and the matches should be great and the storylines yeah. should probably i culminate. mean yeah for me there's there's like a handful of dream matches you got charlotte versus asuka you have AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Undertaker versus John Cena, long time in the making. You have that tag team match with Triple H, Stephanie McMahon versus Kurt Angle and uh, Ronda Rousey. That's a dream match that's been, well, it's not necessarily a dream match in the sense that you wanted to see those specific people against each other, but it's been a match. It's a big match. Yeah, that's been like two years in the making since she was last at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Um, and then um, they have that cruiserweight title match between Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander. That's going to be a great match. I think it could be one of those sneaky good matches at the show. I hope they don't put it on the pre-show. I want it on the main card. I feel like they're going to have hopefully have a couple of good tag team matches, at least one good tag team match. So I'm hoping that we see some good tag team wrestling. at the, at the the Aside from that Stephanie McMahon and Triple H match against Ronda and Kurt Angle. So WrestleMania, pretty solid um, card, wouldn't you say? Um, it's going yes. to be a stacked card. Um, there's been rumors that, and they've been sending out emails about live events that are going to be taking place after WrestleMania, where it's going to be Samoa, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns wrestling at a lot of live events. So the rumor is that those two guys are going to be feuding after WrestleMania, and then after the Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns thing. I didn't even mention it. That's on there. That's a dream match. That's like three years in the making. Um, yeah, so they're going to have Roman Reigns versus um, uh, Samoa Joe after WrestleMania. So, um yeah, I feel like this show is going to be good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's taking place, uh, what, what is it, April 4th? I'm, am I right about that? I believe it's the first first Sunday of April. I'm not sure exactly. April, no, there's April 8th. April 8th. April okay. 8th. Okay, cool. So, yeah, WrestleMania 34 should be a lot of fun. I'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. Um, so, the last topic of the show, it's Black Panther. Once again, I've been talking about this now, I feel like, for a month and a half. It's probably because Black Panther just topped the box office for a fifth straight week in a row. And it's the first movie since James Cameron's Avatar to do it, in 2000, you know, which did it in 2009. The first movie since then to do that, um, to stay at the top of the domestic box office here for five how straight weeks. How much have they made now in the domestic box office? Black Panther? Yes. It's uh, made $612 million. Ooh, edging in, what is that, 11 or 12 million off of The Avengers. Yeah, the highest grossing super movie of all, superhero movie of all time is The Avengers. It made 623 and some change, and Black Panther is at 612 and some change, so it's like just under, uh, just over, yeah, just about 11 million away. So I feel like this upcoming weekend it gets there. Um, and it, it, the only thing is it's slightly lacking in, internationally, and you kind of expected it. You didn't expect this movie to make like a billion dollar internationally. But 590 is still pretty solid. It's just I feel like the domestic numbers are just mind-boggling. So now the movie's sitting at 1.2 billion. Um, and then this past weekend, basically, um, it edged uh, Tomb Raider. We were supposed to go see it. Didn't end up going to see it. 
Um, and so Tomb, you know, I, I was going to do a review on it. But the Tomb Raider, it was not expected to beat out Black Panther at the box office, and it didn't do it. It came in number second. It's from Warner Brothers. Um, now, Tomb Raider did make 23.5, as Black Panther made 27, um, around 30 million domestic. So it was fairly close. But, you know, um, anyway. Um, as far as other movies go in the, uh, uh, that, that were out this past weekend, I can only imagine came in a third, um, which was a big surprise for the weekend. Lionsgate and Roadside produced the movie, and it's like a, a spiritual-based film, um, faith-based film, I guess you can call it. Uh, so that was basically your top three of the box office. This weekend is specifically Uprising. I feel like that movie... Uh, we'll I definitely... think that can take down yeah. Black Panther, yeah. especially with Black Panther heading into its what sixth yeah. weekend. I don't think they have those sort of legs where they can stay up for that long, especially with these edging closer to the summer where some of these big blockbuster movies are going to start coming out. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? Black Panther's been at the top for a long time. I think it's still going to make plenty of money. Mm-hmm. Just to give you some context um, uh, in, in historical context, the Avengers ended up, uh, making a lot more money than what Black Panther probably going to end up making internationally. They made 895. Black Panther's probably going to fall a couple hundred million short of that, but it's probably going to beat the domestic total of the Avengers. So still a great job. So it's probably going to end up like 1.3, 1.4 dollars. So way over anybody's projections for Black Panther. So still a great, great achievement for that movie. Um, I, I'm excited for Pacific Rim. Um, I don't know if it's going to be super great. But I feel like it's going to be a serviceable film. I don't know if it's going to be as good as the first one. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. Just looking at the trailers, I don't think it's going to be as good as the first one. But it also does have the potential of maybe coming out of nowhere and being as good, but probably not better than the first one. Cause it does, yeah, I mean, nobody the trailers, expected the first one to be as good as it was. Right. And just from the trailers, you can tell that it seems like they have a decent story, they have a decent cast, and I think it has the potential to be something good. But again, it's a very thin line between that good and that not so good between these sequels that come out especially for these sort of movies yeah well i mean that 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 thing is wraps up our box office uh segment so that's our top five or high five let's call it what it is it's the high five format um i wanted it to be a half hour but obviously um this this was a bit of a test run and i feel like the half hour might not be enough so uh we're gonna have to rework that concept a bit but the high five once again we talked about manchester united they're going to be making a lot of moves in the summer the nba power rankings um a lot of teams out there who are playing well right now only five teams that i really think have a shot at the title though uh and of taking down the warriors favorite tv shows like i said every week we can probably do a different top five um bunch of shows we have seen so many shows i've so i've watched like 10 different shows i'm so excited for legion coming back i've been watching agents of shield i'm gonna be watching uh another episode tomorrow they have a new episode i've got some x files episodes to catch up on wrestlemania 34 big show happening soon um so that should be fun um now as far as the box office goes i feel like Avengers is probably going to make like $2 billion. I think Infinity they can probably War. hit like yeah. close, if not more than $800 million domestically. Yeah, it will probably make like $1.5 billion international and easily cross yeah. $2 billion. It is something that's been, yeah. called, that's been built since Iron Man in 2006, 2008, something mm-hmm. like that. It's been a tremendous amount of time that this one single movie has been built for. Yeah, I, mean, I think it has a chance to take over the domestic run of Avatar, which made seven hundred forty-nine million domestically. You know, that's that that's amazing, by the way. And the Star Wars: The Force Awakens made nine hundred thirty-six billion domestically. So I feel like Avengers: Infinity War has a shot to take that take that title and be the highest-grossing domestic movie of all time. So I'm I think super, I think just the hype around it yeah. that's been around it for years now. <laughs> And the marketing and just yeah. the teasing, not sending out full trailers, just maybe one or two of them. Yeah. And pushing that date back a little bit. Just everyone who went out and watched Black Panther two, three, four yeah. times, they don't have to wait. It's coming out in like a month. They can not see even it again. A, is it a month? It's still a month? It's, it's about April a month. April 27th. I yeah, think it's, it's about, about a month, month yeah. and five days. But yeah, yeah it's, I think it has the potential to be something huge in terms of box office numbers. Yeah. 
It's probably not going to have five weeks at the top of the domestic box office because Deadpool is going to come out, but it's still going to make its money and then some. So this is the last part of the show now. This is, you know, on my radio show, I do something cool, but I do something different here. It's the movie trivia this week. So just usually I will do, you know, a kind of a trivia. Today I'm doing a movie music trivia because it's always fun to do that. So I'm going to play uh, like five different soundtracks from five different movies. Very quickly, you're going to listen to them for about 10 seconds or so, and then you got to let me know what movie this is from. And uh, it's just, just for fun. You're not going to win any money or anything. Let's see. Let's just see how good you are at recognizing movie music. So I'm going to start, start you off with a really easy one. So uh, here it goes. It's coming. Don't worry about it. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you a few more seconds here. You got it yet? It's so recognizable, and the name is on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> How did I know this? This is an easy one. I know it's an easy one. And Holy cow. I, it's literally, I don't know, I think it's just because I'm on the spot. You are, it's you slipping me. You're literally reciting. It's slipping me, but it's Independence Day now. It's coming to me. It's Independence Day. How did you not get this? Told you. You the put me on the spot. You put me on the spot already once. Now it's the, the second time. It's the most alien invasion movie of all time. That's very true. Better than a sequel. Yes. Um, all right. By far. <laughs> so, all right. So now let's do number two. This one's going to be a little harder. So uh, let's give that a shot here. Um, this one is actually a little newer. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it's, it's not even played for like 10 seconds. It's... It's uh, a, for me, I, it's a classic. I mean, I've heard is, that song so is, many I times. I love Hans Zimmer's music. This one is one of the best things that he's done. So, um, let's move on. Uh, actually, you know, do you, want, do you want to hear this crescendo? No, let's move on. Okay, all right. We're I just, I just love late. the music. I, I love the music. All right, so here's the other one. Don't look at the... Don't, don't look... Don't cheat. Is this the Avengers? The first one? Yes, it is the first one. First you one, got yeah. Because I literally almost used the one from the second, but <laughs> that it sounded cool. the same. Right? Yeah, this cool. is from this is from um, um, Alan Silvestri. All right, so this is the hard one. Now this is the hard one. This is the third one. Um, let's see if you can get this one. This is an older movie. I actually use this as my um, alarm in the morning sometimes. I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I like, like, I like, like an alarm that like slowly wakes you up, you know? So yeah. What do you think? Sounds like John Williams. It is John Williams, but what movie is it from? Can't quite place it. Do you want a hit? Yes. It had Tom Hanks in it. Oh, well, that helps. <laughs> uh, is it The Terminal? Yep. Ah. It's The Terminal. I can't believe you got it. I didn't think you were going to get that. <laughs> um, Alright, so I'm going to give you another gimme uh, before we go to a hard one at number five. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get this one really quickly. From the Rocky. Uh, I could have used a harder one, but... Uh, you could have used another Rocky theme. Well, um, I could have used this one, maybe. No, no still too still easy. Too easy. <laughs> I mean, it's they're also too, iconic. Too recognizable, yes. Too recognizable. All right. Uh, you know what? I don't know if you're gonna recognize this one. Um, you probably got. You know what? No, nope, not gonna ask you that one. It's too easy. Too easy. I'm just going to the list. Um, too easy. Too easy. Okay. Try this one for size. I think you will get this one, but I'm not sure because... Don't cheat. Did you I'm just not cheat? No, I didn't I see anything. God, I cheated. did not see anything. We have it playing on the TV and he... I don't want him to look at the TV. Well, it's like a small artwork, but... Don't cheat. I haven't seen... I haven't not seen okay. whatever is on the TV. Alright. I think you're going to get at least half of it, but you might not get the whole thing. Star Wars. Okay, you got half of it. 
Sound recent. I don't think it's from like the older one. I think it's from the newer series. Would I be right in assuming that? C come again? I don't think it's from the older. I don't think oh, it's from the first six. I think it's from either yeah. seven or eight. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, even wrong. Yeah, you're getting you're getting warmer. Is this in the end when uh, Ray's walking to um, Luke with the sky with the uh -huh. lightsaber? Uh -huh. I don't know the name of it. What is it called? <laughs> I'm not asking you for the name of the song. The, you want the movie? Force Awakens? Yeah, what's the full title? Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay, there you go. See, that's the answer. Or Star Wars Episode me... 7 The Force Awakens. Yeah, well, it's Star Wars The Force Awakens. Episode 7 is like a... Just the iteration. That's what you get at the beginning of the movie. Of the right. Alright. Yeah. Alright, so This I one really well. crescendos and... Uh, I feel like I gave you like some really good give-me's, you know? But like, oh well. Next time I'll challenge you a bit more. Um, so, well, you know, that pretty much does it for uh, the special podcast edition of The Dan Show here. Uh, we used the new High Five format. Obviously, it went on a lot longer than I thought it would, but uh, we'll get that sorted out for next time. So, I am Daniel, and with me today is AJ. Thanks, AJ, for sticking around. No problem. Always a pleasure. All right. So, I'll... Well, you won't see me, but you will listen to me next time, hopefully, on WQAQ 98.1 FM next Wednesday at 10 a.m. on The Dan Show. Until then, I'm Daniel, signing off. <laughs>